Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. This is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You work for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. The Democrats have broken America. Yeah, you heard me right. The Democrats have broken America. I am your host, Rich Valdez, and I want to jump right in to uh, what's going on with the Democrats. As I was preparing for the show, I'm looking through an article on Axios.com, and I see a headline, and it says, The Coronavirus Pandemic Broke America. And the lead is, Eight weeks into the nation's greatest crisis since World War II, we seem no closer to a national strategy to reopen the nation rebuild the economy, and defeat the coronavirus. And it goes on to talk about a million other things about how bad the coronavirus is and how unprepared the country is. I look at that and I think to myself, where is it that the failures truly lie? According to Axios, the pandemic broke America. But my question to you is, did it really? Or was it the Democrat blue state governors and their response to the pandemic That's hurting America. Was it their lack of preparedness, their lack of ICU beds, their lack of PPE, their lack of ingenuity, lack of industriousness, and a lack of common sense and intellect to protect senior citizens and those with compromised immune systems? If we look at Wisconsin, for example, the Supreme Court just recently ruled that the governor's continued stay-at-home orders can't be enacted without a vote in the legislature. And why is that? Well, the Supreme Court had some sense and they've realized, guess what? We can't continue to enforce these laws that aren't even laws because laws have to be created and voted on and debated and voted on again and signed into law. That's how a bill becomes a law. And it has to happen where? In the legislature. Now, of course, there are emergency powers and I constantly make an example. At least, you know, when I'm talking with my children, I do because I want to make things make sense. You know, and they say, can they do that to us? I say, well, you know, if you're ever coming home and you see fire trucks close to your block and the, the cops have the street blocked off and they tell you, hey, you got to go around. You got to go this way. You can't go here. You can sit there and argue that you have a constitutional right to ambulate freely, that this is America. But I think it's reasonable for them to say, well, that building over there, or that abandoned warehouse over there is on fire. And for your safety, we're asking you to walk around and go around the block. Okay, that makes sense. But once that building stops burning, that fire is out. If the structure is unsound, they might put tape around it and make a perimeter. But at some point, normalcy will be restored. So here we were asked to give 15 days to flatten the curve. That happened. And the whole point of flattening the curve, why? Well, of course, it was because of the stress on the hospital systems, the stress that 
President Donald Trump moved heaven and earth to make sure that there were ventilators available. Having companies like GE and others stop the production they were doing and create new production lines to create new products that they had not previously created. Using the Defense Production Act that hasn't been used since God knows when. So many unprecedented actions were taken by President Trump to meet the needs of Democrat governors in blue states that failed, that were unprepared. And that was the case in Wisconsin. But they got it right. So they decided, hey, you know what? We're going to open the bar. We're going to open the bars. And within minutes is the article that I read. Within minutes, these bars were open. So check this one out. It's from CBS News. It's almost immediately after the Wisconsin Supreme Court struck down Governor Tony Evers' stay-at-home order on Wednesday, bars in the state opened their doors. And patrons didn't hold back. And then it shows video of literally the bar packed. Now, of course, there's an interview with the owner, and he's saying, look, we want to have social distancing. We want people to wear masks when they can. We want He wants to be careful. He wants to be on the safe side because he doesn't want his customers to get hurt. I get that. I get that. But the question remains, is it the coronavirus that broke America that has a death rate of less than 1%? And, of course, here in New York, so many of us know people that have lost their lives to this. And I'm not trying to be insensitive. That's something that happens naturally. I don't try to do it. But the reality is 99% plus of people infected are going to live. So why are we putting a quarantine on the healthy? Because the government said so. President Trump says that we're going to be reigniting our economy. Our economic engines are going to roar again. And I believe him. But we've got to start somewhere. And it wasn't just a few days ago that salon owners and barbershop owners right here in New York City got together. And they said, you know what? No mas. Ya basta. We need to open up. People can't handle it anymore. Our economic engine has to roar once again like it did prior to coronavirus. So check out President Trump talking about the economy. Tomorrow will mark 30 days since we released the White House guidelines for a safe and phased opening of America. That's what we're doing. It's the opening of America. We're going to have an amazing year next year. We're going to have a great transition into the fourth quarter. As of this morning, almost every state has taken steps to begin reopening, and the American people are doing an extraordinary job of continuing to take precautions while at the same time wanting to start and they will be starting to resume their American way of life. We uh, will be reigniting our economic engines. We're going to be taking care of our most vulnerable, which are our senior citizens and some others. We're going to be working very, very hard on our senior citizens and our nursing homes and various communities to support those that are struggling in this very difficult time. Others don't have the same kind of struggle. Well, the president's 100 percent right. So many of these governors in the blue states, especially here in the Northeast, they failed our senior citizens. So when he says our most vulnerable seniors, he's 100 percent right. Because we need to protect those that need protecting. Those are the ones that need to be quarantined. Don't quarantine me. In fact, we've been doing this straight through the coronavirus because essential Andy Cuomo, Governor Cuomo from the Andy Cuomo podcast, he says that we're essential and that you're not. And that's messed up. But 
like I was saying, Trump is reiterating that there's a, there's a phased plan to open up. And we all know that. Dominicans, Puerto Ricans, everybody was gathering in New York City in the Bronx as New York City salon owners demanded a plan so that they could work. And they're going to be back in action soon, which is a really good news for all of my uh, compatriots in the barber world. But that wasn't such good news a couple of weeks ago for Shelley Luther when they shut her down. But she's back and she stood up for what she believed in. Just like a mom on the subway stood up for what she believed in. Wearing a mask on her face that was below her nose and mouth. Walking with a child that had to be two years old. And that two-year-old child also had a mask on. The craziest thing happened. I don't know what happened ahead of time. I really don't. You know me. I back the blue. I'm all about the NYPD. There's several members of my family, the Valdez family, that have served NYPD and do serve NYPD right now. So salute to the NYPD. But this video was really controversial. It's like five dudes, a female sergeant, and this woman, you know, she took a swing. I, once you take a swing, you got to go down, you fight. doesn't matter who you are at that point. She handled it wrongly, the mom. But listen to this, and just imagine, they're in the subway, they're on the stairs in the subway, and that's where the video starts, where the police are telling her to do X, Y, and Z, and she starts with, you know, get the F out of here, this, that, and the other. And she's holding her one-and-a-half-year-old, two-year-old by the hand. She's going behind there saying, hey, she's got a kid. She swings at the cop, pushes the cop, whatever it is, and they, they take her down and she resists. She resists and this, again, the headline is, mom refuses mask, whatever, gets tackled, whatever. You know, everybody, if it bleeds, it leads. That's the media mantra. I get it. Then there's the facts, right? They always say there's, you know, three sides to every story, your side, my side, and the truth. I guess what I'm taking away from this is, this is what it took. It took this young mom, 20-something years old, with her small child, or this young woman with a small child, walking through the subway, getting into this altercation with the police. And I could not help but think, what if that was one of my kids? I have two daughters, and I've always told them to fight for what they believe in. I've always told them to respect the police. But sometimes those two ideals, those two values are at odds. So what happens? Well, Mayor de Blasio decides, oh, snap, I done messed it up. Yes, he did mess it up. So de Blasio now says that he's not having the police commissioner instruct officers to give summons or arrests or anything like that, that type of enforcement, because there's been so much drama with this NYPD mass controversy. I got to sit back and look at that and say, why the heck did they do it to begin with? Let's really stop for a moment and think. If I'm an otherwise healthy person, and again, I know people want to call and argue with me. They want to call and they want to argue with me and say, listen, well, you might be carrying and you may not know you have it and then you can infect somebody else. Yeah, that's a whole lot of things that I could have and infect you with something else. That's not an argument to me. You can't make the argument that, well, we don't know if you have it, so we got to be careful. Screw you. Don't get near me. Walk around. You put on a mask. I'm not going to wear a mask. 
that whole logic is so flawed to me. And, and, and people just buy it and they eat it up. <laughs> Hook, line and sinker. But that's insane. But check out the mayor. Listen to this. So the reset will be this. We start with the fundamental notion. The NYPD is here to protect lives, to save lives. And where we see the greatest danger to lives in terms of the coronavirus and the area where we can enforce is around gatherings, particularly large gatherings. So that's where we're going to focus. We wanted to give people this clarity. And it's literally the bigger the gathering, the more that needs to be done by the NYPD to make sure that gathering either never gets started to begin with or is quickly broken up. And again, if we never need to take any additional enforcement action other than the NYPD showing up and people leaving, that's the ideal by far. Summonses are an available tool and they will be given if people do not disperse. All right. So now, hey, listen, you don't have to wear a mask. All of a sudden you don't have to wear a mask, but you have to wear one if you go to Target or to the bodega, wherever you want to go, you got to wear one. But if you're outside now, you don't have to wear a mask or wear the mask, but we're not going to enforce wearing the mask, which basically means don't wear the mask. That's New York City. Then there's some people are really overboard, like the mayor of Los Angeles, Mayor Garcetti in Los Angeles. He's taken the cake. You've got to hear what he had to say. Listen to Mayor Garcetti in Los Angeles. Check this out. So do you have a sense of where you're going to be in September? We did see that news this morning. The California State University system is saying they're not they're not going to have classes on campus. What are you expecting in Los Angeles and for your schools? Sure. I hope for our K through 12 schools that we will have some sense of opening, but it won't be in the way that we've known school in the past. It might be fewer days a week. It might be staggered because we have to maintain that physical distance and we have to make sure for our vulnerable children, some of them won't be able to go back to school for some time. Look, we have to tell the hard truths and protect our people. At the same time, we take steps forward. For instance, this past weekend, we opened up our trails. We have retail for curbside pickup. We'll see that expanded and even some active recreation on our uh, beaches this coming weekend. Those are important. And we've never been fully closed. We'll never be completely open until we have a cure. But I do believe that we can take steps, but monitor those numbers, listen to the scientists and the medical professionals and make the tough calls, even when there's criticism. Well, that's Mayor Eric Garcetti. He was on with George Stephanopoulos. And I'm no fan of Mayor Garcetti. I think whenever he opens his mouth, it's something stupid that comes out of it. He's kind of like Mayor de Blasio's uh, evil twin brother on the West Coast. But keep it locked right there. You're listening to This Is America. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. All right, America, welcome back. This is Rich Valdez. We are still here, 17 floors above Madison Square Garden in New York City. So we're talking about the economy, how we're going to reopen. And yet there's these protests. People are striking. People are going berserk over, I want to open, I want to open. And the other side is saying, no, don't open. We want to be government slaves. So, of course, I've criticized her in the past. Our favorite congresswoman from the 14th District of New York in the Bronx and Queens, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, also known as AOC All Out Crazy. And she's got another All Out Crazy commentary that we're about to play for you. And I want you to really pay close attention to it because there is a lot going on when it comes to protesting and striking. And I really want you to just pay attention to what she's saying. You know, there's a lot of people saying 
you know, call for a general strike, call for a general strike. The majority of Americans don't know what a general strike is. And so our responsibility is to talk about it, expand consciousness about it, and to actually create the the conditions in which working people can can generate and really exercise their own power, the power that they already have for themselves. I'm in agreement with people using their power for themselves. But her delivery, I have to question it. Now, she says, Americans don't know what a general strike is. Excuse me, who died and made her the queen of communism? I don't know. Maybe Ava Perone? Everybody knows that their voice has power. This goes back into people with the saying, the squeaky wheel gets the oil or the squeaky wheel gets the grease. I think that's a given. Then she talks about working people. Now that irks me because she's the one that's pushing for people to be unemployed. Her policies create an environment or the conditions, as she likes to say, to create conditions. Because it just, it boggles me. I mean, there's so much wrong with her statement. If you're going to create conditions, you're creating an unleveled playing field. I think what you need to do is back off and allow the market to work. And the conditions work themselves out. Right now, the market would work, but for the governors getting in the way saying, don't do that. They say to me, here's a letter that says you're an essential employee. But so-and-so isn't. The bodeguero, the guy in the bodega, he's okay. But you're not. The dentist isn't, but he is, but he's not. If you want to get your porcelain veneers, no go. You need some emergency root canal business, maybe. I take exception to all of that because there are many people that aren't working. So when she says working people, what about the people that aren't working because of you and your party? That's number one. It also brings me to uh, something she said not too long ago on The View. And she says, um, you know, I think it's just the stakes are too high when it comes to another four years of Trump. Now she's talking about reelection. My community especially has been so impacted and it's, you know, for a lot of communities, it's an issue of life and death. We have kids in cages. We have, we've had a pandemic response that happened way too late, literally seven days after the first case in the United States. One week. And it costs us lives. And then she says, we have people that don't have access to the critical care they need. I think it's really important that we rally behind our Democratic nominee in November. Good old sleepy Joe Biden. She's saying people don't have access to the critical care that they need. Let me ask you a question. If you know somebody who's been sitting at home for the past six or seven weeks, what do you think is most critical to them right now? Would you say it's a job? I would say the most critical thing they need right now is an income. Maybe they're getting some from unemployment. Maybe they're living off of savings. But don't you think this world would be a better place if everybody was making money again? If the economy was roaring again? And I pick on AOC because, A, she's just such an easy target, and B, because she really passionately believes in these things, and it makes it that much easier to illustrate how silly they are. This is something that we can't continue to just pretend and play. This is a real thing. When President Trump says that we have to reopen our, our economic engine, he's not kidding. That's something that actually has to happen. And we can't make these lopsided decisions where 
people say, oh, we have nowhere to put these people. Put them in the nursing homes. Nursing homes have space. Put them there. Clearly, that was an issue. So, I mean, there's so many things that we can learn from, so many mistakes that we can learn from, and we have to learn from them. But she says we have to rally around our Democratic nominee. And I'm thinking Joe Biden and his gaffes, they just continue like during the virtual roundtable that he just had. So when you have a nominee that is likely dealing with issues related to lots of things, I mean, sexual assault allegations, corruption allegations in Ukraine, corruption allegations in China, and he's on MSNBC and he's stuttering his way through a virtual town hall, what are we supposed to do? Listen to AOC? So I want you to listen to Sleepy Joe Biden, Sleepy Creepy Joe on MSNBC fumbling his way through a really simple question. Check this out. This is not a moment for excuses or deflections or blame game. We're, 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 it's, we're in the middle of a pandemic that has cost us more than 85,000 jobs as of today. Lives of millions of people, millions of people, millions of jobs. You know, and we're in a position where, you know, we just got new unemployment insurance this morning, uh, numbers, 36.5 million claims since this crisis began. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny because it's kind of cute, but it's not because that guy wants to be our president. But he says, we just lost 85,000 jobs today. Uh, No, we have new unemployment insurance. First of all, we didn't lose 85,000 jobs. We've lost 36 million jobs. But Biden doesn't know what's going on. He's just, he just uses words, you know, informative, air, black, silver, remote control, Sharpie pen. And he thinks, and that's why, because I'm Biden and uh, corn pop and Trump is bad. And we have a pandemic, by the way, like nobody knew that. This is why we have to fight back. All right, America, that's all I've got for now. And like I always tell you, my favorite quote from Hamilton. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. If you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. And like Sir Edmund Burke always said, the only thing that's necessary for evil to triumph is for good people, like you, me, and everybody else listening, to sit there and do nothing. So do something, read something, know something, take action. Because this is your country. I'm Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America. 